Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 63. We are somehow in the middle of June, um, which is sort of exploding my brain. And furthermore, we are somehow almost in the middle of this crazy, crazy year. Um, I've been thinking so much lately about just, I don't know, how different everything feels and kind of trying to imagine what it will be like to to go back to, you know, quote unquote, normal. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Andrew and I were at Lowe's. We went to Lowe's on a, on a Sunday afternoon um, to get some like tubing for a drip line because we're, we're planting some trees in our backyard. Um, it turns out that yard work is an incredible quarantine activity. Um, so we've been doing a whole lot of it. Uh, anyway, we were at Lowe's and we were in this, this aisle and you know, it's, it's a Lowe's like the aisle is like really, really long. And in the aisle where like all the drip stuff was, there were maybe like four other people in this aisle. And I was standing on the end of it. I didn't like go in with Andrew. He, he went in to pick out what stuff he needed. And I was kind of standing on the end and just thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe how crowded it is here today. Um, which like, no, four people is not crowded. Um, but then I kind of was just like, you know, I don't know. It surprised me that I had that thought. And then I was just thinking like, wow, it's only been a couple of months and like everything feels so different. And I don't know. I, I've just been thinking lately, like, I wonder what it will feel like three months from now. And I don't know. Um, anyway, so, uh, I, I guess the thing that I want to say is I hope you guys are doing okay. I hope that like, I hope that, um, I hope that you're, that you're adjusting and adapting in whatever ways you can and, um, trying to find things that feel meaningful to you to, to do. Um, and I guess that's a nice segue because one of the things that feels meaningful for me to do is this podcast. Um, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that one of my goals for 2020 um, was to interview artists in mediums that maybe aren't kind of the first mediums we think of. They're maybe not mediums that you can like get a degree in or mediums that you're going to see in like a typical, you know, concert series billboard ad or, you know, whatever. Um, uh, but I, you know, my goal is to, to tell stories of creative people in the arts. Um, and, and yeah, so, um, so I've, I've been thinking a lot this year about like, what mediums am I forgetting? What mediums am, am I not thinking of? Um, and, uh, and, and some of my plans have been like a little bit low key foiled because I wanted to be traveling a lot in 2020 and gathering stories from people in, in other city centers. Um, but I'm doing my best here in Salt Lake. Um, and I'm really excited about today's episode. Um, I reached out a couple of weeks ago to one of Salt Lake City's very most favorite drag queens um, to set up an interview with her. And we talked a couple of weeks ago and I I just loved it. It was just, I felt like... Um, we were just kindred spirits kind of like right away. Um, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So I'm going to read you her bio now. 
Sister Molly Mormon is a Salt Lake City, Utah drag queen and has become well-known and admired in the Salt Lake City drag and art community. In 2019, she was crowned Miss City Weekly. She's the head bitch and performer with Those Bitches of Club Triangles, who performed the last when who performed the last Wednesday of each month. She produces a drag show once a month at Prohibition, which is a club here in Salt Lake. Um, the show is called Sacrament and Sin. And she performs all over Salt Lake City. She loves the art of drag and works to create original and moving performances that are more than just a performance but are a production. Raised in Utah and being raised in the Mormon LDS Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Molly was taught above all else to love one another and the values of family. These lessons still ring true in her mind each day, and although she no longer follows LDS teachings to this day, she is grateful to have taken something good from her past. As for the future, Molly strives to, strives to be a positive force for good in her community, a community that is her family. And I hope you guys can tell just from that bio um, that this that 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 this is a special person that we're dealing with, um, and a special kind of. Um, set of values um in in the art and what it means and what it means in terms of community um man this is the kind of story that i just want to hear more and more and more of um people who are are i don't know breaking boundaries and being creative and doing different things to um to kind of to to build the type of community that they want to see i think it's really admirable um one last thing before um, I start the episode um, for the month of June, rather than um, running a little ad featuring a business that I think is artful and wonderful, I am just going to play little snippets of songs from my album. Um, when I first was thinking about doing this in June, I was thinking that I would play, I would, I would feature kind of the five maybe like most mainstream songs on the album or most, I don't know, whatever, peppy something. Um, and then I was thinking last week, um, uh, one of my songs from the album is called Villain. And it's all about um, like a, a, a scapegoat, like the experience of a scapegoat. And I wrote Villain a really long time ago. I wrote it like five years ago. Um, and when I wrote it, I was, I was kind of drawing from my own experience being, um, a scapegoat in my, in my immediate family. Um, you know, and, and I, I've talked about this a little bit before in, in other, uh, platforms, but there was a, a little while where I thought I might not include the song on my new album because, um, it's, it's a, a sentiment that I, that I personally no longer feel, um, is like red hot in my soul and in my heart, um, in my family. I've, I've, I've had, I've had a lot of like recovery in the, in the past five years, but I decided to include it because over the past five years, since I wrote the song, there have been times where that song feels like it belongs to the LGBTQ community. Um, where, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about what's going on in the news and thinking this song is, this song is, is, um, it's for, it's for this community. Um, and, and lately I've been thinking that this song is, is for the, 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 
black community and 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 generally um people of color in this country and in the world um so i decided to play that song for you know for the little the little segment today um and i mean you know my voice is a white voice so i only have the experience that i have but i do feel really really strongly about this concept of scapegoating and that you know when someone who's in a position of power feels like threatened or or something it can be a really really easy and cowardly choice to look somewhere else um to look for someone who's in 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 less of a position of power and say hey all of my problems are your fault you're the one that's ruining things um you're the one that's 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 messing up you know this good thing that i had and it and it's a disgusting um reaction it's an easy one to have um so as you're listening, if you're a person who has been scapegoated in any way, I hope that it, it will feel like, you know, I don't know, like, like, like something, um, you know, is being said that, that, that you'd like to be saying and you can kind of feel some catharsis that way. Um, and if you're a person who has never felt that way, um, I encourage you to think about whether there are places in your life where you might be, um, guilty of scapegoating it's 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 really common um the important thing is to stop doing it to recognize it and to stop doing it so um I don't know that's that's the thing that I have to say today um this episode is about sister Molly Mormon this episode is about subversive art this episode is about individuality and identity and growing um as individuals and making room for ourselves as part of our community and that's really important um and it's a, it's an important conversation that we're having and and um this is kind of the way that i'm that i'm hoping to participate um contribute share help support whatever so so with all of that said, I have been extremely long-winded here. Um, here comes a little bit of my song Villain that's for everyone who is being scapegoated and has been scapegoated. And then my wonderful interview with the totally lovely sister Molly Mormon. Enjoy. Play the game, you know the name, don't feel the shame, don't take the blame, close your eyes, no compromise, push away, your own decay, the disarray, no not today, keep the stains, it's too late to change, and you see it's easy, you see
sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary. And sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections, but we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. So here we are. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you before we start, um, I just want to make sure that like I'm referring to you in like all the right ways, mm-hmm. especially because like in this podcast, I like to talk with people about like kind of their origin, okay. like the origins of their creativity. So like, what would you prefer? Like, do you want me to like, I mean, I probably will just say like you, Yeah. but if I like, do you, do you, I mean, Molly's my character. So okay. I kind of go for that. I wish I would have dressed in drag just to get more of that vibe, more of that character. but yeah. you know, I've been really but lazy in quarantine. Like, at, so. at least some of the podcast were probably like, we, you aren't, yeah. Molly yet so right. that's why I was kind of wondering like yeah. it, well if I'm saying any, if I'm like doing it wrong just tell me <laughs> oh I'm I'm really easy I, might, I mean like pronoun wise I go by whatever I just prefer like if I am in drag don't call me my sure birth name sort of sure, thing sure. so but that's like my only real rule okay okay so. great. <laughs> that, that's what I assumed but I but I don't want to assume yeah. so it just is frustrating sure. getting up in drag and like putting everything into it and then having somebody be like oh Tyler how are you yeah that would that's not who I am right now be like I I can imagine that being like incredibly frustrating yeah. I have a friend we call him the protector of the name and he's literally like corrected my mother at a show <laughs> awesome my mother was like oh my god I love Tyler and and he was like um I don't see Tyler here at all he's not here he's not here <laughs> so great um and then like okay so i've been doing this podcast for over a year this is That's my crazy. 63rd episode i'm really excited to keep listening to more i've only recently just started Mad- the one with madison just because i've been so cool. the worst lazy person in quarantine i mean but now i was like gar- has been completely strange it's crazy yeah and now i'm out like gardening and it's perfect though like i've been doing yard work too I, we just moved into my grandma's old house and it needs so much work so i'll just be like <laughs> out there ripping out weeds and it's kind of awesome and also kind of horrible my husband andrew he's upstairs we moved 23 cubic yards of mulch into our backyard oh last God. week <laughs> yeah. that's why i'm sunburned i don't know if you I, can tell but you look great <laughs> thank you <laughs> thanks i really like desperately need to get my hair done like oh yeah i haven't I mean, gone I ha- I'm same. I'm like, I haven't even cut mine. I'm just going for that natural. I haven't gone this long without like dyeing my hair since I was like 19. I love that. <laughs> I'm the wor- I'm the worst. I went like, I got to a point after high school that I was like, I'm never doing dyeing my hair ever again. And then I had a friend who was going through hair school do it. And I was like, that was a terrible experience. <laughs> like, I don't want that. So I just. Oh, I feel like my natural color is like a sad non-color I like the, it's very this pastel is, this is like pink. it's cute it though. was like purple purple but i love it. it there's nothing natural about it i mean this i like nothing this natural is really like, fun anyway this up here less so <laughs> the right? roots we're all just dying to take care of ourselves or have somebody else do it I for know. us because well i did one well, my sister-in-law got this like gel nails kit and i she came over <laughs> on sunday and i did it and like two of them i play piano oh and like my two pointer fingers are already they just popped off yeah i mean they're gel but they just like yeah my sister got into nails really heavy and loves doing it but 
I, I hate males. I, That's fine. You don't have to like anything. <laughs> well, no, like being, even in drag, I'm like, I don't want this here. Yeah, it's annoying. Know? It makes you feel like you don't have like normal dexterity. Yeah. I put a friend yeah. in drag the other day and we did a video for them and they, we put nails on them and they just held their hands like out, like, like full <laughs> like and like they didn't move. know what to do with yeah. it. And I was just like, okay, well, relax. You're a I woman now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but plenty of women don't like acrylics. I know. I like my nails to be like the length that they actually actually are right because these are my these are my actual nails just Isn't the that crazy of, the just being an individual and liking something and just like not what everybody else wants <laughs> you'd think that people would have figured out by now that that's normal heaven but, forbid <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so i was gonna say before um i feel like as many interviews as i've done i still am trying to figure out like exactly how i want to talk about these things so mm. i'm gonna try normally i like say this thing i'm about to say like at the end of the podcast but I'm going to try saying it at the beginning, just in case okay. it gets us thinking differently. So the podcast is called Artifice because mm -hmm. it's a cool word that has art at the beginning, but also because I think artists are misunderstood. Um, and I think in all kinds of ways, like our identity is in our art in ways that people wouldn't expect. Our identity is separate from our art in ways people wouldn't expect. Um and like, you know, we maybe have an identity that's just based on public perception that like may or may not be true. Um, and I'm really interested in that stuff, like any of those things. Okay. How does like who you are affect what you make? How does what you make affect who you are? Yeah. How does like audience perception affect any of those things? So we you don't have to answer that now, but I'm saying it because... That's like really my main thing that okay. I love. Yeah. I so love if that. as we're talking, there's anything that you go like, oh, then go for that. Okay. Um, otherwise, I'll like specifically bring it up. Okay. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I will just rant about whatever we talk about okay. for a while. I'm so like I hope that to, too. I hope it. Yeah. I hope you. Yeah. I'm really nervous. I'm so I always get nervous. With Don't this, be nervous. But. I like I love talking. Um, talking to people is my favorite thing in the entire world, which is why I started a podcast. So. Yeah. It's just a different style. Like I love talking yeah. with people, but then it's like, oh, this is being recorded. And yeah, well, if there's anything that you want me to chop out, I'm oh, happy no. to do I'm, it. You're I open. trust you. Okay. I, lo I love it. I just, I'll get nervous and I'll get over it. Okay, great. So I like to start with people at the beginning of their lives and just talk about what you were like as a creative child. Um, and it doesn't have to be related at all to what you're doing now, but like, what do you, what were you doing? Okay. That was I mean, sparkly as a little kid. My youth, I, I don't know. I feel like I blocked out so much of my youth, but I do. I mean, little things that I remember, I was definitely always thinking about like art and being creative. And my neighbor across the street would tell me my, like my whole life, like I would be a storyteller one day and yeah. write books. And I mean, that's something I've considered, but, um, I was always just crafting and doing stuff at my grandma's house and yeah. anything and everything that yeah. got me interested. I would, I would, you know, sit and arrange all my toys a specific way. And then as too. soon as that was over, <laughs> I was like, well, I played. I am the exact same. In fact, <laughs> I was just talking about this with someone the other day. I had, um, how old are you? Am I'm I allowed to 32. Ask? I'll I'm be 33. I'll be 33 next week. Actually. Oh, cool. Well, yeah. I just turned 32. Okay. So we're like one year apart. Congratulations. It's, it's the weirdest time in the world. It is kind I of don't weird. don't know why I thought 30s would be so different, but. I've been enjoying a lot of things about 30s, but I think it's not the fact that I'm in my 30s. It's like the fact that like my life is just 
better yeah. than it used to be. Yeah, I just paid <laughs> off all my student loans. I'm like finally starting to feel like a grown up. I can mm-hmm. spend money on stupid things that I don't need. And I'm and like, is this what it is? Is this what it is? And then there's coronavirus and then it's I like, know, oh, know. my yeah. income is totally fragile. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, I have nothing actually. <laughs> well, I bought, um, I've been like spending no money except last week. Well, I bought the mulch. Oh, yeah. And then I also bought like 20 trees. Oh, so I feel like that's Sorry. like, you can say shit. Okay. That's fine. Um, yeah. Which I feel like this is a grown up purchase. I yeah. bought mulch and trees. I went to um, <laughs> the, the garden store with friends to just wander around and I ended up buying four different kinds of basil. I love and I was just like, I love, I love, I was like, this is not what I thought I would be doing with Caprese my day. is in your <laughs> yes, future. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm ready for um, it. Yeah. I, when I was little, I had those littlest pet shops. That's why I asked how old I you were. I love littlest like, pet shops. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I, I, I loved them. those. I would like do chores and like save up them. my little money mm-hmm. and buy my littlest pet shops. And yeah, like I would like dust them and arrange them. And that was play. So I love so, them. I so was you. a collector very young, like yeah. very young. I remember like have anything that I wanted. I wanted all of them. Like yeah. I, we like Power Ranger toys. Like I always wanted like the most, the hardest one to get. I probably caused my, I caused my mother so much <laughs> stress because I'd always want the one toy that it was yeah. hardest to find. Uh-huh. And then, I mean, I and always just loved, co- yeah, and like, then, exactly. So there was no, it, was it wasn't an easy, hard. you were yeah. calling Toys R Us every day to make sure they had it. Yeah. But like, I mean, I loved collections and things to like play with and arrange. arrange. And then my sisters would come up and they'd want to play and I'd get so mad because I'm like I did that already and I don't want you to ruin it and so having that like weird it was like this weird like mechanical version of playing for me are you still like that I still am like that I'm like that too yeah and it's funny like I promise I'm not just like blowing smoke like if any of my childhood friends were hearing this they'd be like yeah we'd go to Emily's house (laughs) and we'd be like can we play with your pet shops and I'd be like those aren't for playing Absolutely. (laughs) I would definitely be like, no, I don't want you to. Or if I did, I might allow people to do it, but knowing full well that it would break and just be like living in fear, Totally. which I still do. My partner is like the worst when it comes to breaking things. And I just like, it hurts me because I'm like, that's a thing that I want. Those are my treasures. Yeah. It's like not even important. And he's really good about just like letting things go. And he's like, well, if it breaks, it doesn't need to be in my life and all that hippie shit. But I'm just like, no, I want these things. It's precious to me. I'm so the same way. And I do think that is like a creative, like that's, that's like, it's like you're making something like you're little. And so you don't maybe have the resources to like, you're not sculpting, but like arranging your things is like, that's a type of storytelling. I mean, I got into that too, where I'd literally like, I'd get all that Fimo clay and I'd start sculpting my own toys and playing like, uh, like setting them up. I don't so know. Yeah. You were doing crafts. You were, were you doing any performing or like music stuff? I mean, I remember I would be that kid that would wrap a towel around my head and put an elastic over it for a wig. And then, skits. yeah. And then yeah. like, I would be the one wearing my sister's like dress up dresses. Cool. I remember this, like it was this weird blue color with like white fringe and I was obsessed yeah. with it. And I, I mean, fringe again, like cowgirl fringe. I, it was all over fringe. Yeah. It was more like, oh, like, like a flapper. Yeah. Like a yeah. flapper girl dress. And I mean, that, if well, that was nothing yeah, better than that, if that wasn't a tell, <laughs> then I don't know what, what is. So, so w- in addition to dressing up, were you also like, were you putting on shows? I mean, were yeah. you, 
You were, you we were, were ha- you were inviting. I would get my sisters to join in, in, and we would like have like little music videos, and we danced to songs. And cool. I remember my parents just coming down and kind of being very supportive, but yeah. just rolling their eyes. Yeah. And you were a little baby producer. Yeah, I yeah. And then what about like writing? Were you writing poems? Were you writing stories? I don't really remember writing so much as it was all kind of just in my head. And like, even to this day, like I love the art of writing and and everything, but it's just not something I, it's not your main favorite medium. It doesn't click as well. So So. when you had that neighbor that was saying you were going to be a storyteller, how old were you? I must've been like eight, nine around then. And up until I was in high school, she was always telling me how creative I was and, yeah. That's so nice. I feel like when you ha- when you're able to have those kinds of sort of like like deeper relationships with someone who's not in your immediate family, that can be so special. Because yeah. it's like those people that kind of touch your life in that way. They don't have to love you, right? You know. And I think plenty of us have stories where like the people that have to love you don't. Yeah. Um, me included. Yeah. Um, but I but I think that's it gives you a certain type of validation to have someone who's not related to you yeah. like reflect yourself in that way. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, yeah, and I feel like I had a great support system like That's awesome. all around me, you so know, for, what, to a degree. What were what were you doing that let this neighbor woman know that you were a storyteller. I mean, they were obviously coming downstairs and watching us in these shows because we just pulled their family. I mean, we just pulled their kids into it as well. And like, we were just running around the neighborhood. I remember getting those toys from McDonald's and we would just, for some, it was those little Pegasus toys from Hercules. And I collected dozens of them and we had like a whole story in the trees and like we were (laughs) we played that game for weeks and weeks and I would be the one to also just be like okay here's the game and I would come up with like an elaborate like backstory and then I'd be like now we're all like half dragon and half horse and half I didn't know um you know fractions then (laughs) but I was half of all of these animals and we would just kind of all start playing that and running around the neighborhood and like you know and were you were you often like sort of directing the play absolutely yeah i was kind of bossy yeah i'm the oldest i'm the oldest oldest, yeah i was the oldest in the group of like kids that we hung out with and it was like this combination of everybody wanting to hang out and do stuff with me and me wanting to go do my own thing and how did i blend that and make that work for me because i would i mean i still to this day and my partner will say this all the time he's like you were supposed to be an only child (laughs) because you just want to just be by yourself half the time i love my sisters to death but half of the you know growing up you need alone time yeah i don't think i was very nice to them you know, we forgive children for the things they do when they're children. Yeah. 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 I um, think I'm nicer to them now. Yeah. So. <laughs> when you're a child, you're in control of so little. Your your impulses just get funneled in ways that looking back, sometimes you're like, that was not the greatest choice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have one other question about like your younger childhood. Um, were What were you consuming in terms of like creative media that was like inspiring you? Um, in terms of media, I mean, I was like what books, movies, yeah, anything. I mean, I remember watching like Barney and all of those, like it was around that time that all of these shows had these elements of like, um, let's create something. And I yeah. remember Barney pulling out that bag of crafts mm-hmm. and it was just endless and yeah. they were always able to do something with it. And I, to this yeah. day, I still feel like that's who I always wanted to be. Totally. I mean, if I could ideally have a Mary Poppins bag and just carry that around and just, you know, Dude. so I feel like 
you saying that is making me like <laughs> have a, like I feel like maybe that's like what my entire life's work has been. Right. <laughs> like just trying to like make sure that I have creative outlets at my fingertips Absolutely. at all times. Yeah. If I could just make sure that I have everything I need for every random thought that I could. Like that's all I want. I'm relating to that so hard. Yeah. And yeah. I've <laughs> gone to like extreme measures of not getting I mean, my house is cluttered with just random things I won't throw away because I'm like I might need that might one day that for, for a craft yeah I mean I have this chair that I literally have glued all sorts of things onto and spray painted gold and I just that's my throne yeah you know and I, <laughs> I needed that it. one yeah. day you uh-huh. know so I I I, I totally I, we are kindred spirits. Right? I can tell. I can <laughs> I already tell. Yeah. <laughs> Everything you're saying, I'm like, that's obscure, but me too. We're going to randomly yeah. start crafting right now. Just with the, yeah. I'm ready. I've got a, like, I've got a, like a whole closet of craft I love stuff it. upstairs. I love yeah. that. Actually, ready. I just put an album out. And one of the things that I did for the album was like, I hired an illustrator to do um, like a coloring book, like Fun. a coloring book page of each of the songs. Like I to love represent that. the songs. Because I love crafting. I love it. And I wanted to gift a craft to my listeners. Amazing. Because it's like in my values. (laughs) I love that so much. I had a tattoo artist, literally, the guy who just did my leg, he came up with a tattoo, like a coloring page of me. And I was like, that is like the sweetest thing anybody could ever do. It's meta. It's like, it's that same, like that reflection of like who you deeply are. Yeah. That like gives you that kind of satisfaction of like, oh, I'm seen. Yeah. Um, Okay. So let's talk about. Well, okay. I think what I want to know, normally I think our creativity tends to take more tangible and structured forms in like our teens. Mm -hmm. If for no other reason than like we're taking an art elective, we're in choir, we're in band, like whatever. Um, But I don't really know like specifically what you did before what you're doing now. So maybe it's just kind of open. Like maybe can you tell me like how your creativity maybe started to become skills like maybe specifically in like your teen years. I mean, yeah, I was, unless that's too much of a leading question. No, I mean, I go a different way. I remember being in my, I mean, in middle school and taking art classes and just being like, wow, like there's this ability to do all these fun things. And like, even like in the sixth grade, we would do craft projects. And I had this really amazing sixth grade teacher that would, focus a lot on like big extravagant like art projects yeah. within like, like we learned a, yeah we learned about Egypt and we like took out a part of the hallway that was just like this so cool and we just created a tomb awesome. and like it was just like using craft paper to like literally create a set yeah and um that was just fascinating to me because I never really felt like I cared much I always worked really hard Like after fifth grade, I think I kind of got like whipped into shape about like learning and having to Mm -hmm. take tests Mm -hmm. and learn and, and it never really clicked. And then in sixth grade, I had this teacher who was, I mean, kind of a little upset with my fifth grade teacher for how she beat it out of like beat Mm -hmm. the creativity out of me. Um, and I've been, I mean, I battle with that my whole life, just like that idea of wanting to create and, um, having to be successful and and that kind of idea. But like in middle school, I took these art classes and I just lived, I loved it. And I remember those more specifically than anything and just doodling and, um, your fifth grade teacher, what happened like to make you feel less creative? She was just very strict and wanted me to have, like it was testing and testing and it wasn't any sort of like, 
it was the kind of learning that just doesn't work for me. And yeah. at that age, like you just don't get it. You don't understand why you're not understanding math or totally. yeah. anything, yeah. you know? So I feel like I was like that with math in particular. Like I, I swear, like it would almost be like every other year. Like I would have a teacher and I would be like the best at math and it would yeah. be my best subject. And then the next teacher I would be like totally lost. Yeah. And it's like the teachers who like were, a little bit more like I probably more creative mm -hmm. were the teachers that I was like, Oh my gosh, this makes perfect sense. And then like, yeah. you know, like pre-calculus was like the hardest class I ever took. And then I did like great in calculus. Yeah. It's just like, is, does the teacher know how to teach my brain? Um, that's so sad that like in fifth grade yeah. you felt like, I mean, oh, and that's I come why home I'm, crying. I ugh, hated school. And I mean, yeah. I was also just such a loner and I didn't have like a good group of friends. So yeah, I didn't have an outlet at a, you know, at a fifth yeah. grade age. So I, I, I like to talk to people about their childhoods because I do think the things that allow us to maintain creativity into adulthood are so like affected, like either yeah. negatively or positively by that stuff. So I think it's, it's really worth like charting back. Um, it's, it's fast. I don't think about it to be honest. Like it's crazy. Most people don't now that I'm, 30, almost 33, like it hasn't been until like the last like four or five years that I've allowed myself to be this creative yeah, and be a creative human. Cause I've been told that's not how it works. Yeah. What do you mean? So, like, I mean, just your whole life. I mean, my whole life, at least I feel like it was this back and forth of make sure that you can be successful and, and, and have a good sure. job. And like, I went yeah. to a, a very expensive college so that I could get a, you know, a nice paying job so right. that I can have like a, you know, a white picket fence and yeah. 2.3 kids yeah. and, you know, a loving wife and all of this. And mm -hmm. like that never fit my brain and totally. I never got it, but I was trying my best to like make it work. Yeah. I was trying my best to fake it until I made it. And, you yeah. know, I remember, high school being a full switch where I, I took, you know, a few art classes and then all of a sudden it became science and math. And, yeah. and then my whole college experience, I tried to go to theater and I mean, I kind of dabbled in theater in high school as well, but like, it was just this pull of, of very opposite feelings. Yeah. So I think I relate to that too. I think like when I, when I, you know, when we look back on our lives, like, you know, you're, you're inevitably going to impose a narrative, Yeah. It, but I, I do, I think that that reflection is worthwhile too. Mm -hmm. But when I think back about my childhood and my life, I also had parents that were, um, I mean, I, I guess I'm projecting a little bit, but I, I my parents, your teachers, mm -hmm. I don't know. I had adults in my life who were telling me like creativity is a hobby. It's not like a real thing. You don't get to yeah. own this. Right. And I, and I, sometimes I think like I was creative enough of a child that I just like made my math and science creative. Yeah. Like I just like forced that to like fit. Yeah. Unless I had a teacher who really like, I couldn't make it work. Um, yeah, we can probably get a little bit more into that <laughs> later. Maybe I want to ask like just one final question about like your preteen years. Did you feel like you were identifying as creative? Like, is that something that's like incidental as you're looking back or like, did you feel like that was an important part of who you were? I mean, I don't know if I could say that I was thinking about it at the time. Yeah. I was so terrified of so many other things in my life coming forward and everything that it was just survival for me. Sure. Like, I mean, I remember at a very, very young age being teased for being gay yeah. when I didn't even understand what that meant. Sure. And the amount of 
how much that actually shaped my life is actually not surprising and it doesn't I don't think it's necessarily as different for other people but it, it it's kind of a frustration of like that really caused me to not really allow myself to be myself totally so I I You're like trying to recover that now yeah now I'm just like you know just trying to be as gay and creative yeah. as possible yeah. you know so would you say like in your childhood the creative stuff you were doing like what was it doing for you it, you know because I think for some kids like here's here's where I'm going with this question I think for some kids the adults in their lives are telling them like you're creative mm-hmm. you're a creative child and it becomes like part of their identity so early that like then they're like what else can I make and yeah. it becomes this like motivator and then I think for some kids creativity is like an an escape or an outlet. Um, so it sounds like it was important to you, like whether or not you were really like thinking about it that way. Yeah. It's like, can you say like what it was that it was like how it was serving you? Or like what role was it playing in your life? It really honestly just felt very naturally part of everything. It didn't necessarily feel like it was, I don't know how to, I mean, I, I had my grandmother who would go and, paint rocks at her house constantly and it was just like fun um just fun things to do it's just what you liked and yeah and it just I mean I kind of feel like my my family in general was always kind of more about the more about the like experiences and doing things and playing and and it just turned into like just a part of my play I guess yeah it was you you saw it as like you're playing, yeah, and it just maybe wasn't the same kind of play as like other I didn't, kids. I didn't want to go out and kick a ball. I wanted to go take a bunch of paints and put it on yeah. rocks. Yeah. And <laughs> and I get I don't know why I keep thinking about rocks, but well, um, that's the canvas you have when you're yeah. a kid. I mean, or like I think we would get clay totally and I would build cool. creatures and monsters and yeah. all of that. And then you know, so it didn't I, seem like creativity to yeah. you. It just was play. Yeah, we'd had a big yeah. sandbox at my grandma's house where we literally would just dig a giant hole and it would become a city. Yeah. You know, and so like that kind of just all kind of wove together as to just like how, you know, you had fun and play. Sure. Yeah. So. And last, I keep saying like one more question. I mean, did, <laughs> did, um, I hope you have more than one yeah. more question. Cause <laughs> I mean, like just, about this yeah, chapter, okay. like we need to like, I mean, yeah, I just like, I don't know. I just want to make sure I have like an understanding. Um, did, did, and you kind of said, you kind of said it, but like, you didn't feel like you fit in. Like you felt a little different from other kids. Absolutely not. I, yeah. Yeah. I remember literally just sitting at recess and being by myself and sitting yeah. just close enough to another group of people to overhear what they're saying and yeah. running around the playground just in my own head. Yeah. You know, probably dealing with a lot of like things of just like, well, why am I not hanging out with other people? I mean, I, I remember yeah. feeling very unwelcomed and just never fitting with other groups. Mm-hmm. And I ought to be honest, it hasn't been an, again until the last like four or five years yeah. that I've started. I mean, maybe 10 where I've started actually like finding groups that I connect totally. with and like really getting into that like person that I want to be or who I am. Yeah. Maybe it's a little bit like chicken or the egg. Like how can you ask? But do you, do you feel like, do you feel like you were creative and like didn't fit in or do you feel like you were creative like because you didn't fit in or like, you know what I mean? Like, do you feel like like all that creative alone play was like a solution to not fitting in? Or do you feel like that's just like how you were? 
I mean, maybe I would say both. I honestly yeah. feel like I used it as a way to like, because I wasn't fitting in, I could turn to that. Sure. But because I was so, it was so easy to just turn to that. Yeah. It, I think it did kind of distance that child that I was yeah. to not really find those like close friends. It's a you bit know. of a solution. Yeah. I, I, I'm like that too. I mean, I, I didn't have maybe quite the same, I mean, obviously I didn't have the same thing, but, um, my, I'm like a, I'm like a black sheep in my family in like mm-hmm. kind of a, an intense way, not in like a fun way and like kind of a sad, <laughs> dark way. You make everybody upset at Thanksgiving too with uh, your deep I'm thoughts. I'm the scapegoat yeah. person yeah. <laughs> in the family and my mom, like she died a couple of years ago, but she was like a narcissist. And, um, so I think as a child, like I had a deep sense that I didn't belong mm-hmm. and I don't think that was projected onto me by my peers, but I think I like, yeah. I was projecting it out because I think I felt it at home. And so I think like for me, I think I just was creative. I think that's like in my genetic makeup somehow. Yeah. But I also think that I kind of like rooted down into it more than some kids because it was consistent. Mm -hmm. It was like something that I could do alone. It was something that brought me like so much joy and it felt safe. So that's why I was kind of wondering, like when I was asking like what role did it play? Like, I'm not trying to project, but, (laughs) you know, just like, you know, and who knows, like I said before, when you're looking as an adult back at your childhood, like, how can you know? Yeah. (laughs) You could be rewriting plenty of history, but, um, okay. So just like quick, like yes, no's. Did you ever take any music lessons? Did you have any like ever formal lessons? When I would, I mean, they were the classes in elementary school and I was always struggling with them. Yeah. Not private lessons. No, I remember trying to take trumpet in like the big trumpet class and I hated it so much. I'd forget, (laughs) quote unquote, forget my trumpet. And my mom would show up in her pajamas, be like, you forgot this. And I would, but I hated that. I I don't ever, I never really felt as connected to music as physical. Great. I mean, fine. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I mean, it's not great, but like, great. I love listening to music. It's something that I really grew into, yeah. but I do remember being like as a child, not, I didn't, I didn't get it. And what about theater? Like, were you ever, so I think I'm just trying, I'm trying to just like quickly get an idea of like mm-hmm. what, if any, like art was kind of formalized. Yeah. So, like, were I d- you ever I dabbled in plays? In, I did. Yeah. Okay. Throughout like everything. So and dabbled. What about like dance classes like were you ever taking any like classes first? i wanted to my sisters took classes and, and i sat like, literally ah. on the edge the whole yeah. time wanting to take dance and her te- their teacher wouldn't just teach me yeah she didn't teach boys she didn't teach boys and i just felt like that was so unfair and to this i even ran into her recently and i told her that and she was like well i don't know what to tell you <laughs> that, yeah that sucks but, and it's not okay yeah but i mean it, yeah and i just would i probably would have loved to take dance i would have yeah. i really really felt that because i it's fun it's fantastic yeah absolutely um and then okay so you were doing some plays like in high school um yeah i Middle mean i remember school, taking elementary i remember being in an elementary play i remember doing plays throughout and, okay and high school towards the end i was trying and then with visual art um were there, were you ever doing it like in a way where you had to like ask for supplies? Like, I think I'm trying to kind of ask like, you know, if you, when or how, or if you ever had to kind of like advocate for your own like art yeah. participation. 
I, it kind of all had to be through school or something. Cause I, I remember growing up and just not feeling like I could ask for those things. Not that I couldn't have gotten them. And I know yeah. that I, we, I know that we'd go to like art stores and I'd get paper and pencils and we'd have it plentiful. Yeah. But you had like basic crafts mm-hmm. stuff, but it was never like, Hey, can I buy an easel? Yeah. I mean, we also were a family that just had paints and everything. Like that my, part my parents, yeah, my parents, my, my mom and my grandma would do, ceramics and we have a kiln in the basement and like amazing so we had plethora of art supplies i never felt like i had to like go out and spend expensive amounts of money on them yeah so i mean i remember asking my mom in college for clay but yeah okay so so that i mean that answers a lot for me like Mm -hmm. just there was stuff around so you had plenty to work with yeah maybe Um, that's why i wanted the bag of barney stuff because i already kind of had it but i wanted it it like organized and in a place (laughs) and maybe magical yeah you magical and organized (laughs) yeah which i'm not i'm not organized at all so (laughs) it would be nice to just throw it all in the bag and you know yeah i like hardcore i'm organized like it feels like an extension of my creative i'm so proud of you (laughs) i am the opposite it's just how i am it's not i always i tell people whenever they're like oh I wish I could be as organized as you. I'm always like, it's not a virtue. It's like, this is like, this is my natural state. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it doesn't require like, um, it's not like it's something I work toward. Mine's chaos apparently, (laughs) because I just have to, I kind of have piles of things and I know where things are, but that's organized in its way. It is. It's it's chaotic organized. if If all those piles were in bins, Mm-hmm. You'd be I had I'd have no idea. Well, I'd have no idea where they were oh, though. Really? As you soon as they get put it. in bins, and I'm like, nope, <laughs> I have no it? idea. I can't see it, and therefore <laughs> it may not exist. Exactly. I've got to go buy another one. My husband one. is like that. Yeah. Um. Okay. So during your high school years, um, did were there any like was there ever like a, a medium like any specific medium that you kind of felt like I want to get better at this, and it doesn't have to be like one, but I, I think I mean like. Were you ever like, I want to learn how to draw portraits or I want to learn how to sculpt? And if so, tell me about I that. I mean, I took a, I remember taking a ceramics class and being really good at it and wanting to do more of it. And I remember taking the advanced class. Um, but I mean, I honestly wanted to, it was, for me, it was theater. I wanted to okay. be good in theater. I wanted to be an actor or somebody that could yeah. go to Hollywood and have I mean, for me, it was always wanting to learn more about everything, Yeah. but not only one thing. Like I can only focus on one thing for so long before I'm like, oh, well now I want to learn about this. So like that too. Yeah. Um, you said you wanted to be an actor. Like, do you, do you have an idea of like how old you were when you started having that thought or was it kind of like you were always having that thought? Um, it, 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 it became more clear in high school years okay and I think it was probably later in high school because I don't think I even joined draw I never took a drama class until my junior year okay I started really focusing on actual school and like getting A's and everything and um and then I do remember taking a theater class I think it was junior year and really wanting to push that and then I took theater every semester okay so I want to talk about both of these things so like with school and really pushing it um like what was that? I mean, I think I just want to get as like a snapshot of like what was going on in your mind. Like these questions are so hard to you like, and me both, girl. I um, love a snapshot of that. Like, no, as you were like getting really motivated with school, what was like the point for you? Like, what what was it about? The motivation was never I wanted to do it for like to be better. I was yeah. doing it because I thought I had to. I was doing it because it was the answer to 
a lot. I mean, it was just the structure of just having to do it. And I never enjoyed it. I mean, I never was like, again, it it also fell into that. I felt like an outsider. Mm -hmm. So it was easier for me to just buckle down and do school than go out and hang out with my friends or party during the weekend, you know? And so. Were you motivated by like something in particular? To be good at school? Um, I mean, my dad would always tell me that I'd have to go to college and get a good education because he didn't want me to be, quote unquote, a dumbass carpenter, which, you (laughs) know, growing up with that my whole life is it's hard to say because I love my dad and I love my family and is so amazing. But that was something that really resonated with me my whole life. Yeah. And so I think a lot of that was my motivation. And to also see him be so down on himself was so heartbreaking. Mm. And so I never well, wanted dad's to be a carpenter. He is. Okay. I, I, that ha- so feels totally different. Now. Yeah. And so yeah. there's art and all of this, like, I couldn't and that's tell the, if you meant like he was referring to like, no, we are not those kinds of people. No, he like, was, okay, yeah, he was a carpenter and totally he never different. went to college and he hated that. Mm. And for some reason in his brain, in his mind, he thought that if he had gone to school, he would have had a better life. And then it took me very later, it took me a long time to realize how much of an artist and how gifted he was yeah, it was well, i mean he I can say, he like, can build a house from the the foundation yeah. up to the point where he had people waiting for months and months to do yeah. their crown molding because he was sure. so good at it yeah and it was like as a kid i just i had that in his brain in my brain that oh i don't want to be a dumbass carpenter i can't use when my hands really, like, like your dad is totally brilliant he's amazing yeah and that's the that, thing that he just yeah. doesn't understand wow. to this day and so like now as an adult i can see that but as a kid it was this it was this factor of I have to work hard to get out of this world that now all I want to do is I wish that I would have studied more with him and if I could build like if I could do half the things he can do I mean now I just get to call him and be like that's such a trip man like yeah that like well when you first said that I was thinking you know like my dad is a lawyer Mm -hmm. and my dad is really really intense about like we do the professions like yeah. the acceptable professions are like doctor, lawyer, yeah, business, I, and CEO. I, yeah. like, That's kind of what he wanted for me too. Yeah, but my dad is super anti creativity, like oh, Ooh. kind of intensely. And so when you said that, I was like, ah, we're the same. But like, <laughs> no, that's totally different. Like yeah. your dad is a creative and is a brilliant creative, and like wanted you to do something different. And that's like that's all kinds of identity. Yeah generational a lot identity of mixed baggage. messages yeah. yeah because he was i mean and he still is is he's really creative and really good at what he does and so you know that's interesting now you're now as an adult you're like integrating some of that stuff back in yeah um okay so you were if anything you're just motivated like by some future promise of like mm-hmm. money and stability and whatever yeah. and then when you have this thought of like i want to be an actor um how much of that is like how much of that is something that the adults and peers in your life are like aware of? Like, is that your secret or is that like everybody knows I want to be an actor? I mean, I told people I wanted to be a veterinarian most of the time because I did love animals. And then I remember telling people that I wanted to get into acting as well. I even saw a counselor in high school and I told him that and he's like, well, well, let's that's have a not backup. A real thing. Yeah. That's like something that you can work towards and that could be your backup. And, yeah. and so, so, you know, you weren't really like, do you feel like you were able to like really own that like want or was it kind of like 
Does that question make sense? Yeah, it, it's it's it just kill, it feels very wishy washy in my brain. You're not back sure. then. I was. I mean, I was. I wanted it, but I didn't know how to get it, and I didn't feel like I had adults that were helping me along the way. I was not good at acting, okay. and I'm still terrible. <laughs> I I can put on a full face of makeup and forget a line immediately. Yeah. Like I can be in my like I can be in full drag and still be like, what was the line? You know. So like I'm not great at it, but I never. I felt like I never really had anybody else say look here's what you need to do and how can I and here's how I can help Mm -hmm. you I just felt like overlooked and I remember even leaving high school so angry at my um theater teacher because she just didn't care and she cared about the other popular kids that could fill the seats in the auditorium and I just was never that and so I kind of I went to college hoping that I could still pursue it and the same thing happened there and so Mm. I kind of shut it down and went back to the business minded economics of things. That's such a tragedy. I, I feel like I'm obsessed with this kind of these, these moments where we lose creatives Mm -hmm. and like, by the way, bravo for like coming back to creativity (laughs) after having had experiences like that, because I think most people don't. Oh, it wouldn't let go. I, I tried. Yeah. Yeah. I I get that. (laughs) I get it. Um, but I mean, you know, part of the reason I started this podcast is because I think creativity and curiosity is like crucial. Like our world can't exist without it. And I don't, I like, I mean that in the way that people usually mean it, which is like the arts are important for inspiring us. But I also mean it just in terms of like the way that we see each other, Mm -hmm. like the ability to like look at someone else and like imagine what type of potential they have or imagine what they are uniquely like, um, poised to do yeah. really well. I think that's so important. And, and I, I find it to be such a tragedy when there are teachers or adults in general or people in general who fail to see like potential yeah. in people because you're not like the type of potential that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, yeah. I mean, I think this thing of like sitting here with artists and having them tell their stories, I hope that we gather like examples of people being like this many people missed me doing this thing. (laughs) And it can maybe make people be like, Oh, like maybe I should think differently. I don't know. That's my, like, that's what it's about for me. I mean, if anything, I just wish that I would have had more of an opportunity to learn because now I just feel behind in everything. And I kind of thought I kind of drag drag was really nice because it was a new medium that I was able to kind of play and poke with on myself, like by myself. Right. And then go out and, you know, so it, it, it is, it was disheartening growing up, just sure. feeling like I didn't have it, but I had other teachers like in the other arts that were very supportive. And, yeah. And for some reason I just didn't jive didn't with that up. as well. Yeah. Like I was like, I could draw pretty well. And then I was like, well, I don't want to draw. Yeah. So, and I did ceramics really well, but ceramics was harder to like, I can't buy it, you know, yeah. it's hard to have a ceramic studio. Totally. So, you know. so with the theater, um, do you remember anything or any things that you were like trying to get better at, like trying to cultivate like a specific skill or? I, yes. I just think going back to just being the closeted little gay kid and not feeling like I could, I mean, and also growing up Mormon and those two things being so different. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't break the walls of my own identity. Like I couldn't be myself 
And there's so much in acting that you have to literally strip away your entire being and open up completely. And I was terrified of that. I was terrified of showing people who I really was because I didn't like it. Yeah. And someone might see it and call you out in a certain way. Yeah. Heaven forbid, like somebody actually know that I was gay and people did. People would call me on it and I would just build walls up higher and Mm -hmm. higher. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think art is one of those things that, you have to be yourself completely. Like your art is yourself. And if you can't own up to who you are, then you can't do it. And for theater, it was just, I could never break down that wall. And I never, and, and, and I mean, maybe that was the reason why I kind of just kept getting passed over because I couldn't actually admit to myself who I was. Yeah. Except that that puts so much of the burden on you, a child right? where like, I like to imagine that a good teacher can be like, well, Tyler, maybe like Mm -hmm. there's this other option or like, why don't you like, you could also think of it this way. Cause like, I, I agree in some ways that like your art has to be who you are, but I also have talked to plenty of artists who their art allows them to express something that doesn't like fit in their day to day self that well. I get that too. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all, we all have pieces of these things. I mean, I'm obviously not wearing a dress right now, yeah. <laughs> but like that's so much of my identity as well. You know, there's, sure. it's just me. Yeah. Like the art like lets you express a thing that like people for whatever reason, like aren't going to see in like your day to day self. Like no. I think one of the things that that is for me is like, I think, I think my day to day self is a little uptight. Like I, I'm organized. <laughs> like I said, I'm very, I like to plan. Mm-hmm. I'm very like practical, but like my art is super magic-y, yeah. you know, and I have like a very, like, I feel like my, there's some part of me that's super, like super chaotic and super magical and super like spur of the moment. Yeah. And people, I think sometimes have a hard time believing it. Like it mm-hmm. looks inauthentic because like what they know me as <laughs> is so like, this is what we're doing and yeah. we're doing it in this order. Um, so I think sometimes like art becomes an outlet for like a piece of your identity that doesn't integrate well. I think sometimes art is like something we explore and then like our identity catches up to it. I know I feel like that a lot. Like, yeah, I guess I could say that was much of my journey was just like exploring this and then letting everything else fill in. And then now it just feels more integrated, you know? I think that's so so normal. So yeah, I mean, I like to think that there could have been a teacher in your life who could have been like in some way without like outing you or, you know, making you like have a conversation you didn't want to have. It's some way of being like, Hey, there's another way. There's Mm -hmm. another way into this. Like there's another way to be good at this. Well, and I mean, I think I, my, my pottery professor in college was amazing. And I had like my, my sixth grade teacher in, elementary school I ran into her at my sister's wedding and like they like they had a huge influence but it was like little pockets of time and then everybody else was kind of like no that's not why we're gonna do this I think I'm the same way like and that's another reason why I like to go really broad when I'm asking people about this stuff because like the person like I'm a professional musician now but like in many ways the people who affected my creativity the most were not yeah my music teachers um so like the, <laughs> the origin story of your creativity could be like, it's this neighbor lady and yeah. it's like grandma's house and you know, it's all these things. And then like, you know, um, I just did like a little series where I interviewed a bunch of people I went to college with. So I did like a little oh, jazz musician series. 
nerd alert. Um, and <laughs> it sounds lovely. I mean, I'm, <laughs> thank you. I it was really fun. Yeah. But um, I I talked with several of my you know college peers about how sometimes like your skill development, which would be like playing the piano, learning to paint shadows, whatever, um, and your create your creative development are totally different. Oh yeah. Which is, yeah, again, why I kind of want to be like, what classes were you taking? Yeah. Then meanwhile, how was your brain stretching? Because they're not always, yeah. sometimes people have these very linear stories, pretty rare. Mm-hmm. In, from the 63 conversations I've had, <laughs> every once in a while, there's someone who's like, it was dance and it was always dance. Yeah. Well, Most I mean, you get and gather way. things from everywhere, which is, again, going back to wanting to be an actor. Like, I loved the idea of learning how to shoot a gun for a, like a, a Western or yeah. like, you know, you get to explore so many things or something, you know, sure. like you get to explore, like you get to explore the technical parts of things and integrate them into an artist's perspective. Yeah. And so that, I mean, even at a young age, I didn't, I don't think I, I would have never been able to put it to those words, yeah. but I just remember looking at movies and, and everything and just being like, that's I want to so do all cool. those things. Yeah. yeah. I want to learn how to do that. Yeah. I want to be the avatar. I want to mm-hmm. be this. I want to mm-hmm. do, you know? Yeah. So at the time that you were like graduating from high school, um, did you feel like a creative, even if you weren't like being, I was, talking about I was it? ready. I was in my brain at that time. I was ready to go into theater and okay. I was ready to get out of what I was looking at as a negative thing, like with how I had my theater experience, I had good friends and we had like a great time. And then I was going to Westminster college Although they didn't have a theater major, I was going, I was planning on um, minoring in theater. And okay. so I kind of had this, I kind of you continued on. Plan. Yeah, I continued on. And then I took, you know, business classes and all of Did that. Did you and, have to have a conversation with anyone where you're like, I'm going to minor in theater? Or was that kind of like your private thing? I mean, I rem- I probably, I mean, I probably had the conversation. Anytime I get excited about something, I tell yeah. everybody. So I like to sometimes, when I'm talking to people who went to college... I feel like this moment of like, I'm going to major in art Mm. can be like a big, scary thing. So it's not for everybody, but I definitely want to ask like in case it was like, did you have to have a conversation? Westminster was a liberal arts school, but like they had like, I, it was always confusing to, to me because like they had all these art, you know, majors and everything. But most of what they did was like business school and nursing school. So, um, I, I wanted, and my, you know, like my grandma used to work there and it was four blocks away from my house. And so it was way too expensive, Yeah. but I was determined to get an out of state like feeling while at sure. school and staying at home. Cause yeah, I couldn't yeah, leave. Yeah. I couldn't afford to leave. Yeah. Um, but with that, I was hoping it would be a little bit more of like a liberal education yeah. rather than going to the U or somewhere yeah. where all of my friends and people that right. I didn't like even high school were going, follows you. Know, you. Yeah, I get it. And so. um, yeah. So was there a time? Where, so I'm sorry that I feel like I still don't know. I feel like I've no, maybe you're fine. missed I'm like probably something. like, no, I probably just like go off on like no, no, weird tangents. You're not head. at all. Was there a time when you thought like I'm pursuing acting or was it always kind of like. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was, I was definitely planning on it and wanting to do it. And it just never, every play that I tried out for every class that I took, it was just, I fell short in a lot of ways. You weren't like getting the auditions. Okay. So you were trying and it just like kind of didn't happen. So, um, what was, this is like maybe a tough question, but like, was there a time when you kind of said like, 
I'm not going to try this right now. Absolutely. And, rem- and when did that happen? I remember um, being very close with the theater professors there and thinking that I had a really good um, connection with them, hoping to have that, like, t- I'll take Nurturing you under my wing. Yeah. I'll teach you. And I remember trying out for the musical You're in Town. Yeah. And not knowing really how to sing or anything, but taking I was taking voice lessons at the time, I think. And I didn't get even... Like a, like a background part. play, yeah. like part. And I was working in, I was working all the technical stuff in the back. So for me, it was hard because I was so good at all, like the set building and like all of yeah. that. And I had that group that I was doing things with. And then I couldn't step on stage. Yeah. And I couldn't make that, I couldn't make that um, jump. And so I literally just, I burned it to the ground in my mind. I was like, done. I'm, and that I was left. Which year of college? It was my, end of my sophomore year okay yeah like halfway through yeah and then I think my junior the beginning of my junior year I took all fun art classes I took pottery Mm. for the first time I took a drawing class it's weird you said I burn it to the ground and then you took all art (laughs) well I took I burned theater to the ground to me theater was done I was never gonna go back I was tired of the bureaucracy of it how I just kept getting overlooked and then I was like well maybe I try another art style sure okay this is so interesting um I just want to like point out for the listener that um, you were involved in all of the, the theater tech stuff. So like the set building, maybe costume design, I don't know, planning, mm-hmm. doing like the lighting. Um, and that like that is a lot of dedication. For like not I, wanting to like thinking I was doing it. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Like, it sounds to me like you haven't said this, so maybe I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like you were really determined to like make yourself a part of it. You weren't trying to cut corners. You weren't Mm -hmm. trying to, you weren't in it to like be the star. I mean, not exclusively. You were like putting in the time, you were making yourself part of the community, making sure you were like contributing, doing, you know, taking all of the steps to like, earn a place on Mm -hmm. the stage and then like that didn't happen i I think i just want to point that out because you know sometimes when people say like well i would have i wanted to be a singer but it's like really what they want is to like step straight to the star role and not be around it and when people have that kind of a a mindset i'm just like well screw you (laughs) like how dare you and who do you think you are so i just want to point out that like it's not like you were trying to like skip steps you were doing all of this stuff and and still not like you were taking the voice lessons, you were doing all the things, which I think this is why in my, like, even to this day, I feel like I've buried it. So it was like a betrayal. I I think, I mean, I I can imagine that like you're doing all of the things Mm -hmm. and not getting any of the validation or opportunity. Like, it's not even that it's like a reward. It's like, I mean, I'm totally guessing, but like, I feel like I'm familiar with this story. (laughs) When I I was, I I was doing really well in technical and I really, and everybody was really happy with it, but that's not what I wanted. And so I just just couldn't connect to A to B. Exactly. And I didn't feel like I had anybody just to be like, push me in the right direction or like show me the steps. Cause I mean, I was uh, being the oldest, I kind of was doing everything to learn all of this and my parents didn't do any of this and I, I'd go and I'd have this problem with them and they honestly were so sweet but they were like we don't just don't know what to do we don't know what to how to help you so I think like I'm still kind of confused about like whether you were like 
I'm an artist or whether you were like, I'm a business major. You're confused because that's exactly what I was. Okay. I st- like I literally was fighting so hard on both sides and yeah. it's just this bipolar like um, idea of wanting to do one thing, but never feeling like it would ever amount to anything. So I put my, you know, my stones in this other basket, yeah. not wanting them there and being very sure. like un fulfilled by it but taking the steps and doing very well I mean I ended up graduating with an economics degree and as soon as I got done with school I didn't know how to use it yeah so I went to serving tables so sure but you were doing art the whole time the whole time you were always doing art yeah it's so interesting like I don't really know what to ask but I think I just want to like what do you want to say about the fact that like you, your daily activities would suggest that you're an artist. Mm-hmm. You're doing art all the time, but like, it's not your major. Yeah. When someone's asking you like, what's your major? You're not like, you're, you're saying business, yeah, right? You're saying economics. Art felt, unta- art felt completely unattainable to me yeah. until recently. It felt like every time I tried to do it, it was, the door was shot in my face or every time, you know, I got a little better. I was just not good enough or and or or just this complete over like umbrella idea of like you can't be an artist and make money yeah and I think that was the biggest thing is you can't be an artist and make money you can't live your life like an artist yeah because then you're just gonna struggle your whole life yeah and I didn't want that like I didn't I watched my parents struggle to pay the bills and I mean we lived in a very nice neighborhood Mm -hmm. but because we inherited the house yeah and so it's just that like mentality of like, yeah. I have to do something that's yeah. worth making money. It's hard. It's, it's really hard. And, you know, I like having these conversations with artists because it's totally valid. I mean, mm-hmm. it's totally a valid point that like having a career in art is tricky, but the, the part that people never talk about and the part that people never say is like, if you f- need to be making art and you're not, that's a struggle too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's the part that no one ever talks about. Yeah. Um, and I wish people would talk about it more because it isn't, it's not a binary. No. And you were, I think I am, I f- feel like you were, you kind of knew that like the fact that you were doing all this art and not majoring in art is proof of some of that. <laughs> but, but it's also hard because, you know, during all this time you're 18, 19, 20. Yeah. And like, you don't know, like, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, like you're, you're not putting all of your stones in the art basket because you're like, I don't know. And it, in some ways that could be like a low key self-sabotage, not on purpose, but just like in the sense that yeah, maybe if you were like, I'm going to do art and it's what I'm going to do and it's the only thing I'm going to do, maybe something to like, maybe your story yeah. would be a little different. Not that it's like my belief about this is like, what we do in our early twenties is just, well, we're doing our best. Yeah. Well, and to be honest, I wouldn't even say that I was thinking about it that seriously. Like now looking back on it, I can think about it, but the things that I was actually dealing with, like emotionally, yeah. like I was dealing with my, you know, sexuality and I was yeah. dealing with this idea of identity and who yeah. I actually was. And I wasn't allowed to be that person at all. Yeah. I, I came from a very loving family that was so accepting and yet, I was not accepted in my own church. I wasn't accepted in my own communities for what I actually was. And so like I was battling with that so much more than I was battling with this idea of art versus business. Yeah. I think that's totally what I'm trying to say of like, you're not even, 
you're not even equipped to like deal with that question oh my, because yeah. you're in your early 20s. Yeah. yeah. I was standing naked on the battlefield just having no idea what yeah. was going on. Which I think like again, you know, as we're as we're having this conversation about what is art, what is creativity, what is an artist, like I think a lot of people need they like need for it to be like I declared my major as yeah. art and I <laughs> did these internships and yeah. I, you know whatever. And like I think that's bullshit because Absolutely. When you're an artist like in your heart and in your soul and you're a creative your life like may or may not like allow you as a young a young young adult to even ask that question. Yeah. Which is why, like, I love this. I I almost like especially love stories of adults who have found ways into creative professions, who like didn't like take the lessons, yeah. do the major, because it just like proves that that like creative spirit and that creative resilience is like the thing that actually matters, and not like the skill itself. For sure. Which I really believe. Um, when did you like stop? being Mormon when did you like I so when I was 19 I was supposed to go on my mission um and I was currently watching a lot of gay porn um which is a big no-no yeah. in the <laughs> Mormon religion I, I grew up Mormon too so yeah, we, yeah for the listeners well, I, but, yeah I don't yeah. know how I, I tell these stories and people tend to Sometimes they just look glossy-eyed. I get it, but yeah. I I'm all for explaining to the listener. Mormon, you you yeah you um are supposed to go on a Mormon mission for two years, and I was terrified. I never wanted to go, yeah. so I had that in the back of my head. But it was again one of those things I felt like I was supposed to do. I ended up telling my bishop that I was watching gay porn, and he was, I mean, in my mind and at the time, he was very kind and and kind of helped me like through the eyes of a like a religious leader yeah he he got me into church therapy which mm -hmm. was just talk therapy at the time yeah. and that's the first time I've ever really seen a therapist and um of course they were incredibly incredibly unqualified for sure actual like understanding yeah. of the human like world but um I went through that process for a year and a half to two years. And it was in that time that I realized that there was these two paths yeah. and I could either continue to be Mormon and lie about who I was. That's not how I viewed it at the time. It was try to be the best Mormon I could, mm -hmm. or I could be gay and try to live a life that was unworthy. Mm. And then I met my first boyfriend who was actually my home teacher at the time. And we awesome. ended up like That's becoming so really close friends. It really was. It was this fairy tale story of he yeah. was my, my, uh, he saw me in, um, one of our seminary or seminary classes. Yeah. In um, institute classes. It, yeah. Yeah. For, so for the listener, <laughs> like I think my listeners who aren't LDS and aren't in Utah, which I think is a lot of them. Cause I didn't go to school here and I'm no. not from here. So like, you know, uh, they they underestimate how intense it's crazy. Mormonism yeah, is. it is crazy. So even as an adult, as an adult, you're taking these like seminary classes, mm -hmm. and like that is the right word for it. Yeah. Like I was in a, it was in a singles ward, religion like, yeah. classes, and the this home teacher thing is like a person who's assigned to come and like check on you and make sure yeah. you're being like a good Mormon. So That's what like, I love about it. So his literal, crazy ironic. Yeah. His church assignment was to make sure that I was going to church and being a good upstanding Mormon. And he ends up 
confessing to me while we're lying in my twin bed after watching South Park that he's in love with me. And this whole time he's just been wanting to tell me and he had this huge thing for me. And it was just the first thing I said to him was, well, I have a book that you can read. And I'm referring to a book that like I, I, they gave me when I was in like church counseling. And then he starts making out with me and immediately I was like, well, I'm gay now. Yeah. Literally it was so good. It was was like that beautiful moment of just feeling connected to the universe good yeah. and and I had never I mean I had dated in high school but it was just so not real and yeah. I you know like um and so yeah so that was I mean he and I kind of had our old coming out process we left the church together came to, that's great that yeah. you weren't doing that by yourself and how yeah. old were you um I was 20 21 okay about so that time so young I came out officially at like 21 okay I think is when it was and then we dated he and I dated for like three years total okay so, so that's the beginning of like your identities you, you get to like have the experience of like yeah. kind of starting to step into your identity for the first time in your life. Like for the very first time. That's it's so crazy. Hard. Like I, I, I know it's not the same, but like as a person who like, I, I relate to this in my own, like I said before, my mom was a narcissist and I was totally mm-hmm. not allowed to have an, my own identity. And I think when you're a person who, like you're supposed to do that when you're 12. Absolutely. You're supposed to be doing that when you're 12. And when you don't get to start until mm-hmm. you're 18, 19, 20, it is messy. Yeah. Like if nothing, if for no other reason, then you're already supposed to be like choosing your profession. Yeah. It's really, it's really complicated. And when you're not allowed to step into your identity until you're older, things in your, things get frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and that's the thing with the church that, and I keep saying the church because that's what we call it. Yeah. I know. I know the the listeners, will, yeah. they will know. Anyway, I, I, that was the thing is it, it was so ingrained and it was so much this like expectation of yeah. what you're supposed to be. And as soon as I walked away from it, not to say that it was the literal overnight, like I'm done, I'm free, sure. you know, but it was this in my mind, there was this moment of like, I am going to be who I am now. Yeah. And I can finally start exploring that. And for the lot, for like ever since I've literally just been changing and figuring out who that is and having that experience. Um, I tell people all the time, and this is such a, it sounds like such a terrible thing to say, but there's a few things that have saved me in my life. And one of them was drinking. Um, and I look, and for me at that time, drinking was a way to socialize. I've never Mm -hmm. been able to connect with people very well Mm -hmm. as much as I really want to. And I would go to bars and I would have a few drinks and I could finally like relax from like that anxiety of Mm -hmm. socializing and everything. And so that was around that time that I really started just exploring that like identity of myself yeah. with the help of, you know, a few drinks. So, so your junior year of college, you're doing all this art, but you're still majoring in business. Mm-hmm. You finish your degree. Mm-hmm. Um, like I want to know how you got into drag. Cause that's like what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. And then I also just want to know, like, I mean, if there's anything else that we're missing in terms of like your art evolution, go ahead and say it. But I think mainly my question is like, how did you start getting into drag? Yeah. Um, so honestly, it just, it, it kind of became this thing that I started seeing more and more of once I started entering the gay community. Um, the drag community has always been such a pillar. And I think that that's something that I really looked at. I started honestly just leaving all of those weird 
walls behind me of Mormonism and going out to bars and experiencing different groups and everything. And I kind of came upon drag accidentally. Um, one of my old managers that I worked with at a, a clothing store, I was working at this, excuse me, I was working at this bar that is, um, and there was this drag queen that came up to me and was like, do you even know, do you recognize me at all? And it was my manager yeah. and they looked oh phenomenal gosh. and they yeah. were gorgeous. And I was just in awe. I started watching RuPaul's Drag Race and just being obsessed with the art form of what it is. Yeah. Um, and, and literally creating another human over yourself. Yeah. Like you literally like paint and create this other human that you can kind of explore the world through different yeah. eyes. Um, and so that kind of was like my slow integration into it. And then on, honestly, I would just go out and like, um, like gender fucking looks I'd wear like yeah. short booty shorts. I would do all of the stereotypical gay things and just, I started playing with it and then really, really wanting to get into drag, but never feeling comfortable enough to do it knowing that it would affect my dating and it would affect like it would have an impact on what people thought of me yeah um that's some of that artifice stuff like yeah because some of it i think is like stuff that we direct mm -hmm. like in in good ways and bad ways and you know all kinds of ways but some of it is just like when someone else projects an identity onto you that also is a thing it's yeah. not a thing that you have to own but it is a thing that you have to deal with yeah so I think, yeah. So that's another one of those things of like, if I do this thing that feels this way to me, in what ways is it going to affect like how other people are making assumptions about me? Yeah. That's a big, that's And big. I would, I mean, I had a few moments where I dressed up in full drag and I had friends that would just like, sh like, sh like shudder and they couldn't handle it. Cause yeah. I, I, and, and that was, I mean, it made sense, but it was also all of my fears being presented to me, yeah. you know? And so I kind of thought that and, and I'm, and like, if I have to be completely honest, it wasn't until my um, boyfriend Bradley that I started dating and he looked at, I was showing him all these fun clothes that I had for yeah. festivals and heels and stuff that I had started collecting secretly kind of. Yeah. Um, and it he's was like, like a hobby. Yeah. It wasn't like a. Exactly. A and he's like, why yet. don't you do this? Yeah. And he kind of gave me that permission to lean in and has been one of the biggest supports of wow. my drag. Um, it was then that I was going by a different drag name, um, and just kind of playing with it. And then Molly Mormon happened later and we just, yeah. So know. when you're, when you said like, it was then that, wait, what did you say? It was then that I started like you, um, <laughs> what was the sentence that you said? Like that you started actually doing it. Oh yeah. What does that mean? Like, that means like put like performing putting on a wig and going out like i don't okay. like it starts out mm -hmm. as like something kind of informal like you're yeah. not on stage yet yeah okay okay i didn't really yeah, yeah and to me the performance side of it is the least entertaining if that makes sense like yeah. i love just getting up in a look and yeah. going out and going to bars and hanging out like i love performing but that was always kind of secondary yeah and so it would be this just going out to the club and wearing a wig and a dress and trying so, to figure out like how to glue down your eyebrow. Yeah. So. so step one, step one of like drag is for, I mean, I don't mean forever, like for, for in your story is mm -hmm. like, um, just going out in character. Yeah. Okay. So let's like, let's talk about that before we talk about like performing. Okay. If that's okay. Like just so I can like try to stay organized. Yeah. Um, <laughs> see, I told you I was disorganized. I'm going all over the place. You're not, you're doing great. Um, 
can you just talk to me about like what the art form of drag like just can you soapbox about it like tell me and the listeners like what is important and special about drag why is it an art form that like drag drag is so much more than just a man wearing a dress it's so much more than it's 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 this huge art form of and 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 we like to kind of we like to pigeonhole it into it's this at this place and you have to do these steps but to be honest it's putting on a certain eyeliner that makes you feel fabulous and going out and just being yourself and experiencing a different side of yourself that you wouldn't necessarily like you don't have to put on a wig to be in drag you don't have to there's no one way to do drag but if you're living for that moment that's drag to me yeah um it's hard because i have people coming up to me all the time telling me that they want to do what i do and they wish that i looked the way i look and um it's just sad because most of what I'm doing is because I've slowly worked up to making that happen for me. Yeah. yeah. But I want, I would rather, I don't want to see a copy, you know, I don't want to see a copy of myself. I want to see you explore it in your own way. You sit down in front of the mirror and paint on a face and whatever that is, is what is you need. Right. Um, So, yeah. go ahead. Well, no, I just, it's just an exploration. Like that's the thing. Like it's it's not one thing. Sorry, I keep interrupting you're you. You're good. I keep like rambling. thinking that you're done. Um, <laughs> that's my bad. Um, so, as an art form, like it doesn't need to be performance. No. As an art form, it is. Let Let's maybe talk. If it's if unless I'm just like wrong, let's talk about like the parts of the art form that have to do with like the artist's identity, mm-hmm. and then maybe like also how the art form like is impactful to others and to the culture and to the world. I would assume that how it's impactful to your identity is the more important thing. Um, so, um, the album that I just put out is called masks and, uh, and I love it too. I'm so excited. My podcast is artifice. The album is masks <laughs> because I'm obsessed with these things. Like yeah. the, the layers of people like are so fascinating to me. And I, my personal story with these things is so like, you know, my, my mom was really dark and scary at home and was so perfect and perky and Mm -hmm. beautiful and truly kind to so many people. Yeah. Um, and so growing up, like seeing these layers in her, knowing that I had layers that no one was paying attention to. And that even kind of, I was like not paying attention to, um, all of my friends growing up were gay boys. Like it just, I was in the performing arts, <laughs> like so many of we're the really people that friends. I've loved deeply in my life. Um, and, and have been like the people that I've been the most, like the, just the closest with are gay. So I think like these stories feel so everywhere to me. I'm personally just invested in them. And as an artist, I think there's another whole layer, but as I was thinking about my album, which is, it's a concept album shocking (laughs) um i really wanted to think about like all the ways that masks affect our lives and of course like a lot of those things are negative like i would say the institution of the church is masked in a way Mm -hmm. that's really scary i would say that like people who are abusive are using masks in a scary way i think drag is like the perfect example of a mask that is like the most 
beautiful, whole, wholesome, I don't mean wholesome, like, <laughs> you know, milk and cookies, but yeah. like whole, like just beautifully whole. Um, it's a mask and it's a costume, but no. it's, it's telling the truth in like such a really beautiful way. And that's one reason why like it's, I, I've really been wanting to interview a drag queen <laughs> because like, that's something I was thinking about as I was writing the music. Um, so I don't know, like, what else, what else do you want to say about like how this experience of like stepping into a character, walking around in a character, like, I don't know, lets you like tell the truth about something or experience like, I don't know, something real that's yours. Well, I, the thing is, is again, going back to, so personally, my mask is an expression of of a part of me. That's, yeah. I don't I don't think that's necessarily always everybody every performer's like ideal. But for me, it's always been this idea of this is something that I've wanted to explore. This is a side of me and a person inside of me yeah. to a degree. Yeah. Um, that I want to meet and see in the mirror mm. and have a relationship with. So to me, Molly has always been a part of myself that I get to interact with and people yeah. get to interact with in a different way. Yeah. Um, she kind of had to learn how to be out in public in a very similar way that I had to learn to be out in public. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we put on that mask and go out in public, she gets like, would immediately be very shy, which was fascinating mm -hmm. to my friends because I was not that way. Interesting. And so yeah. it was this process of learning how to interact with people again. Now yeah. that I'm in this full body of somebody yeah. in a very real way, somebody else. Yeah. Um, how to have that interaction and be ourselves. Yeah. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, and we've learned so much. I mean, I've, I've, so I'm a Gemini and I feel like it's just like this perfect it's this perfect visual representation of that feeling mm -hmm. of being multiple personalities and having yeah. so much more than just the one. I mean, yeah. um, so yeah, I, I love that so much. I mean, I talk a lot on this podcast about authenticity because mm -hmm. I think it's like such a buzzword in our culture right now. And like, I think when that word is used in the right way, I'm so for it. But sometimes I think that word, the entire word is bullshit <laughs> because what's authentic? Yeah, like exactly. there, you, you get to be so many things. And I, I love the idea that drag almost like, like I was saying before, like, I think sometimes like, you know, I'm, I'm a certain package most of the time. Yeah. But then there's this thing that like very, only people who know me really well have seen me be like, totally magical <laughs> it, it, it does happen and it's a i think it's a big part of who i am it just doesn't like it's not on the surface and it doesn't mm -hmm. translate that well in a day-to-day -day kind of way and so i almost need to take on um some kind of a mask which i think for mm -hmm. me is just like the music it, it's not a physical thing um in order for people to like see it and when you're when you're going into drag you're like demanding that yeah. people see it like this you're is saying this like is you have no yeah. choice but to see it because it's like yeah. it's all it's so like i'm saying like here i here i am in my body yeah there's not another one of me somewhere else i'm here but like i'm putting this self on the surface 
so that you have to deal with the fact that like this is also me yeah well does it feel right it does and i feel like i go out and drag more than i go out as tyler so molly gets to see more people um which is just it's more my i i mean i like my own downtime i like to be you know cozy at home but like molly likes to go out and like her whole thing like being quarantined it's not as fun to get in track and just like be sitting at home yeah doesn't want to be home (laughs) no and so um it's actually interesting because i get this thing a lot where when i don't go out and drag and i'm out as just myself or just tyler um people will tell me how much they're like oh we love Molly, but it's so great to see Tyler. Hmm. And as much as I understand where they're coming from, yeah. and as much as I, I don't want to take like any sort of effect, offense to that, there's kind of this heartbreak in me because I'm yeah. like, but you're not seeing the point of Molly then. Because totally. if you're not able, like that, we're the same person. Yeah. And if you can't see Molly as a part of me, then you're, you're not, not seeing, seeing me. me. Um, yes. And yeah. so like, she's a mask of myself. Right. And you know. A filter, almost like a filter. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have, you know, I have so much fun with that, like playing with that concept. And it is such a switch. Um, I mean, meeting me in drag, I think is very different, but it's, it is a, it is such a part of me. still you. That I, yeah. So. How did you like meet Molly? How how did Molly come to be? (sighs) Well, the PG version version, because I'm going to share this with my mother. <laughs> we came back from a um, like a concert and we were all sitting around the table and I have a mermaid tattoo that I named Molly. Okay. Um, and that's as much as I can say on that. But it's got a lot, you know, one day in a private session we can talk. <laughs> okay. um, I was tired of my drag character. It wasn't working for me at the time. So her name was Jasmine June. Okay. Because I thought my parents were going to name me Jasmine if I was a girl even though it wasn't true. I found out later. <laughs> just like, okay. Yeah. Um, and I was born in June. So I was like, Oh cute. It's cute. Yeah. And we just didn't have that. It, she was a great like starter drag. There's always drag queen, drag performers um, and Go drag queens will always kind of have their, their beginning drag. Yeah. And so um, I sat around the table and I was having this conversation with friends of like, it's just not working. I want to change my drag name. So I came up with Molly cause I was just, you know, that worked for me at that time. And then somebody mentioned Molly Mormon. Yeah. And the fact that that is just the funniest thing to me. Tell the listener what Molly Mormon is. So Molly Mormon in Mormon culture, and and it's kind of a derivative, derivative? Derogatory. Derogatory, thank you. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like the, oh, she's so Molly Mormon. She goes to church every Sunday. She's so good, goody two shoes. She's like the ideal Mormon. Like if you think about like what an ideal Mormon is. People definitely say it it as an insult. Yeah. It's an insult for sure. And it's like, oh. Yeah. It's like Peter Priesthood. Yeah. Like, oh, you're so goody two shoes. Yeah. You follow the line too well. You're not any fun you're kind of uptight like it's yeah and so when somebody mentioned that i i thought it was hilarious and i think that's so funny to have somebody who i'm not that way like i'm not a mormon i'm not i'm so far from it now um thank god um as much as i respect people but at the same time like it's not my life and it was so funny to me to have that play on words and so molly mormon became molly mormon and so um i even remember i go to the i um i'm currently uh one of the drag queens at triangles but at the time i was going to their shows those bitches and i remember wearing this like white 
hat with like I put like a uh, um like a shawl over it kind and everything yeah and it was all like this like sad mourner look and it mm. was the death of Jasmine and that mm. was when Molly was born yeah. and um it just became marketable it became something that people remembered it was yeah. like a name that I mean you want to be remembered you're putting all this yeah. energy and work into it you want people to remember your name and Molly Mormon or Sister Molly Mormon yeah which I was is, gonna say when did you add the sister we just started Um, I sat down with a friend and we were trying to figure out like my Facebook and my Instagram and um, sister Molly Mormon just made sense and it just kind of started flowing and you know, so I, I, I like both. I like them all. How did you decide to like, I don't know how to say like, take it more seriously to the point that you're making a Facebook page, making an Instagram, like take it more seriously. Doesn't, I just mean make it like official or make it consumable in that kind of a way. uh, I was feeling good about it. Yeah. I was feeling like it was something that I could actually lean into yeah. and be good at and work hard at. Yeah. My makeup skills were getting Monetize better. Yeah, too. I w- yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's I, also I, important. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was getting good at makeup, which was like my least favorite part of it. And people yeah. were recognizing my makeup skills and I just felt good about it. And I remember sitting down with a friend who I met at this festival and he was just like, you got to just start doing it. He, yeah. I had a moment of stopped using my Instagram for like, it was my Instagram, yeah. Tyler's Instagram. And we created one for Molly. And yeah. he's like, you have to stop thinking about your Instagram as something that's real. Like this is the Instagram that you use and yeah. everything that you post is from Molly's post. And yeah. so, um, was that like hard? I mean, not really. I never really loved, I'm not great at social media. It's and so for me, Tyler's it was, thing. it's not. You've and been so, clear about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so for Molly, it was really fun to just be like, cool, well, this is part of her. She yeah. loves it. And so I'm, she's still not great at it because it's usually me the next day having yeah. to do it. Yeah. So <laughs> Molly performs exactly. and then Tyler has to do the post. Exactly. I and do all the Molly's like, Tyler, yeah. get your shit together. Exactly. Post these amazing she's pictures. Like, I me. looked amazing and nobody took a photo. <laughs> so, but. Um, But it just kind of like evolved and became, I mean, I started performing more places and getting more into that. And so, I mean, is there anything else to say about that? Like, I mean, I have to imagine your first, like making the choice to be like, Hey, I want to be on that stage. Mm -hmm. That's big or not. It was, I mean, it it wasn't something that I was planning on. I remember I performed once at jam before they closed and I kind of had my, that was, I think the Jasmine moment, but then I was going to triangles and watching them perform and it felt uh, something I could accomplish. It felt like you kind of belong there. And I kind of had, I mean, I had started thinking of, I mean, now I'm, you know, three, I'm like four or five years into it now yeah. with Molly and I'm to the point of like struggling to come up with an idea. But then I had like pages of performances and yeah. songs. And so, so yeah. M- Molly does other characters too, right? Like, like maybe Molly is Lucy, Lucille Ball sometimes. No, Molly is Molly. Okay. Molly will dress as Lucille Ball sometimes. Like there's no there, but never really associate as, I don't do characters other than Molly. I've never done, um, what is it? I've never done impersonations or anything like she, the thing I love about Molly is that she can do whatever she wants and it's never, never one thing. 
Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so when you say like, you're going to have a performance idea, do you mean like a particular song or like, what do you mean? I'm sorry. I should like know more already. No, it's, uh, it depends on, it depends on the number. Um, one of my favorite numbers that I did, it was, um, uh, true colors by Zed and Kesha, I think was the song that I did it to. And I wore a white dress with, um, all of these coffee filters that we had made yeah. into f- flowers cool. and a headpiece that was all made into flowers. And we actually did it for like, and it sounds so sh- stu- like mean right now, but the, one of the first shows I did was it was a trailer trash show. Yeah. We had to use like only things we could find at like the dollar store. Okay, cool. So I made it out of coffee filters and trash bags. Yeah. And then I did it again where I would wear a wedding dress that was all white. During the song, I had... Uh, colored balloons hidden throughout the flowers and cool. I would pop them and oh, cool. I would just be drenched yeah. in um, colors by the end of it. <gasps> um, and so like that concept came sure. because I wanted to do the dress. The song, I, I barely even remembered what I did. Okay. So like when you're kind of um, conceptualizing a new performance, it's the song and the costume mm-hmm. and the dance mm-hmm. um, and you your entry point to like the project might be any one of those things. Yeah. And okay. it, yeah, it, it really, sometimes I hear a song and I'm like, I have to do something yeah. with this. Sometimes I hear, I have an idea for something and I'm like, I have to find a song for this. Okay. Um, sure. And so That's it can awesome. kind of be both. Yeah. I don't really have like one set. I'm usually focused more on the look. Yeah. Because that's where. That's. My f- brain works. Sure. I, I love the look of drag and fashion. So. Yeah. Um, is there anything you want to say about like, like monetizing it, like making money doing your art, making money as a creative? Honestly, it's, I love that I can do my art as more of a career. It's something that I've been working up to in a lot of ways. That's been really nice that I've, I've, I do performances, not just at drag shows. I'll, I've been asked to perform all over. Yeah. Um, Like gigging, like freelance. Yeah. Yeah, I really will. Like I, I've done performances with burlesque dancers and I've done, we do a show at prohibition once a month and like, well, not anymore, but we will one day. We'll be back to once a month. Um, But like, I'll do it at festivals and I've done it at element 11, which is like a burning man style festival. And so like, um, for me, it's just finding, performances that mean something to me and then monetizing it is a struggle like I don't see myself as like I mean I'm still probably in that boat of looking at art as not making money and so like there's a lot of struggle for that work is that a goal like to have it be like your art be your main full-time thing it would I would love that it would be something that I'd have to figure out different angles and I've worked on like I've always wanted to get like an LLC that I could like funnel things through and yeah merch yeah when I have merch I have pins and I'm working on I really want to do a prayer candle with Molly on there and so um stickers like a no-brainer yeah um yeah you know one of the questions that I that I have on my like list of prompts that I sometimes ask people is like how do you keep boundaries between the art that makes money and like what I call like the capital A Mm -hmm. art and for a lot of people, I think the answer is I only do the capital A art and then I have a day job, Yeah. Um, which I think like, pff, what's the difference? You know, like, I mean, I guess like for me personally, like I feel like, so I, I do like wedding gigs mm-hmm. that are not capital A art. Yeah. I do, I teach. Um, so I don't have a day job in that sense. Um, all of my dollars are music dollars, but 
I can totally see an argument for both. Like in some ways, these art things that I'm doing that aren't really my art take a lot of creative energy. Yeah. Um, but in some ways they also like give me creative fodder. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, all I'm, all I'm saying is I think as an artist, you get to pick, you know, how you do it. I think it would be really, I mean, I've always wanted, to, I've, the last few years I've, lo- I would have loved the idea of not having a day job. And I honestly, I just serve tables and I, and it's really yeah. easy for me to take that time off if I need to, Yeah. but it would be really nice to just focus all on that energy on, even if I'm just doing things that are not like my, what is it? Capital, capital A art. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I like it. I've started getting good. I've started getting better of being like, Oh, it's a drag show. What, what five songs do I know really well that I can repeat if these people have not seen it? I always want to give, my most yeah and i never want to be just like you know that depressed like drag Crank, performer out yeah. The same show, yeah and so but there are a few numbers that i'm really proud of that i love yeah. repeating and adding to or changing or yeah. a few outfits that i love to like yeah. re i mean there's drag is so crazy because you kind of can't be seen in the same thing twice yeah. but there Comedians gets a certain talk about the same thing yeah, yeah exactly but then you can't also like get rid of everything i can't buy a new outfit every time so how do you reuse that and how do yeah, you re that's creative apply too. That? and so a lot of that has also been how my art has grown yeah you know i think i just have kind of one more question unless there's any like anything else that you're like hey i really want to say this um i just want to talk about like what you think drag like means for the world like and you can go like the world like the city <laughs> that you're in or your family or like you know but just ex- more like externally why is it important what does it mean i mean any anything you want i feel broad about it so i mean you're I the go, expert i could go i mean oh i love that i that you think that but um no um <laughs> you are thank you i um <laughs> You could go so many different ways with that. For me, drag is something that is a community thing. It's all about community and has been for like the entirety of drag. Like um, from early on in our drag um, heritage, we've it's been showing yourself to the public fully. You're a drag queen, and um, and usually and drag started with you know black trans people going out to bars and being visible. And so for me, drag is this art form saying we're not going away and we're not, we're not going to slow down and we're not going to hide ourselves and we're going to be outlandish and crazy and bizarre because that's our right. Um, and we're not really afraid of what you think. Like, um, and the nice thing is, is we have a community, um, the LGBTQ plus community plus everybody else like can come into that and look at it as whatever they want. But in any way, like to me, it's inspiration. It's this person has put in the work to dress themselves and be this way and look however they're looking tonight because that's who they want to express themselves out. And that's beautiful. And that's such a um, raw part of human existence that, you know, you can go to a museum and look at a painting on a wall or you can go to a drag show and watch humans just watch a painting walk around. Yeah, watch it. Yeah. Exactly. Be a painting and be yeah. art. And so, I mean, it really blurs the lines of medium, which I, mm-hmm. which I'm so, I mean, all the time I feel like I'm talking about like when we talk about art, are we talking about the medium or are we talking about the artist? <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I've had so many different conversations. Like, you know, there's this one, one of my guests, um, 
introduced me to this idea. I forget what it's called, but it's basically the idea that like once the art is made, it doesn't belong to the artist anymore and like has nothing to do with the artist, which like I don't feel that way as a consumer. Like when I like watch a movie or watch a TV show, I'm I'm like the first thing I'm thinking is like like I I watch the thing or listen to the music Mm -hmm. and then I'm like tell me about the artist. Like yeah. I want to know what they maybe meant. Yeah. Like that's how I prefer to consume. Um, but I, but I love that drag kind of forces people to not pick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they can't, they can't pick like, is yeah. it the, is it the medium or is it the artist? Cause it's kind of like both. literally both. one. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't separate I, it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, <laughs> Yeah, you try to, but it's really not. Because, I mean, so much of so much of drag isn't as... It's not the paintbrush that's painting the face. It's the personality that comes once the face is on. Or it's the... Yeah. It's not the clothes. It, it's not just the clothes that they're wearing. It's how they're presenting them or what, totally. what they're accessorizing with or how they're, like, carrying yeah. themselves. Like, your, your personality is part of that it's medium. the medium. Exactly. Like you are the medium, yeah. which is... That's what I mean. Like, it's so, like... You, it's kind of an it's an inevitable it leads to an inevitable question yeah which i think is i think that's one of the reasons why drag is compelling to me it 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 doesn't answer the question but it like <laughs> but the question is kind of inevitable yeah like the the question of like what yeah. if this is art? What if this mm-hmm. is real? What if it is true? Like the question is there. Yeah. I think it's kind of inevitable, inevitably there. Um, is there anything else you want to say about like art and creativity in general? I mean, I just think keep doing it. Like yeah. if this is something I just, I mean, I just put a friend in drag for their first time and they lived and they had so much fun. So important. I just think that we, as a people are more than just math equations or money. And I think that, you know, be art, be who you want to be and be that authentic self and that, you know, child that you might not have been able to grow up into. You can yeah. be that person now. Absolutely. I mean, I like I said, I feel like I've only recently started being myself in the last four or five years. And certainly it will change. Like it 10 will, years absolutely. from now, you'll look at now and be like, that's not who it, I am one anymore. One of my biggest frustrations is listening to people be upset that so-and-so's music is different than it was five or 10 years ago, yeah. or they look this way and I like that they look that way. It's like, First of all, fuck that. Yeah. Because if I'm not growing as an artist and changing, then I'm not doing art. I'm reapplying what I've already done. Right. And so let's continue to support artists as they grow and change. And if it's not something you're as obsessed with the first time, then yeah. still be supportive. But totally. You know, totally. Like, yes. There like, are so many songs of artists that I'm like, that's not my favorite yeah. song, but let I'm not going to change. Gonna, yeah. Let it be. It's about creativity. Well, and I mean, not to net, like, we don't need to go here, but like, you know, if we can't let artists do that, we're definitely not letting politicians do it. Yeah, exactly. Which like, if you want to see change and you want to see curiosity and you want to see creativity, yeah. you have to kind of look for it everywhere. It's a habit and it's a practice. And art is a place where we demand it in a different way. And art is a place where we draw attention to it. Mm-hmm. But like, really, we want it everywhere. Well, and I it, do yeah. anyway. And it never should stay the same. Like yeah. if we're not growing, if we're not being better than we were before. And I think that's one thing that as a per- like personally in my art, I always have just challenged myself to be better than myself yeah, and not put myself on an expectation to be better than others or whatever. Yeah. 
It's just, just like grow. you're growing. Yeah. Well, I, this is like maybe a slight change of subject, but I also wanted to say before when you were t- saying that drag is about community, it's another thing I love about your name, the name <laughs> Sister Molly Mormon, because I'm certain that this character does things for this community. I mean, that's, um, that's what I and want. It, and it's beautiful. And like, you know, I, we haven't really talked about this, but like, I, I'm, I know from some of the things you've said that you have, you know, you've had negative experiences with the church, mm-hmm. but like integrating it in this way where it's like, this is part of this heritage. This is part of my community. This is part of my experience yeah. is also, I think really generous, mm-hmm. um, to that experience and to that community. It's also kind of a fuck you, <laughs> but in both, it's both, which yeah. I, I also think is really beautiful. Like we get to, um, I don't know. I feel like this. Like, I feel like I, I still get to own Mormonism yeah. when I like, when that's part of me, it's a part of your background. Mm-hmm. And so. I, and I also think that's creative. And I also think that's an important, like letting people understand that they don't have to be, they don't have to be binary about stuff mm-hmm. like that either. Yeah. Like you can kind of, that's creativity too. Like well, choosing which lens goes where. And Absolutely. That was one, again, one of the reasons why it just clicked and I just loved it because Molly's part of who I am now, yeah. but Mormonism was who I was yeah. and it was such a huge impact on my yeah. life and, and it will never leave. part of you. Yeah. yeah it's and still... now I'm just using it in a way that is refreshing and that, something and that works exactly. and that feels honest. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I'm, I mean, it's something that, like it's something that I think about so, so, so much of just like, can we realize how much we have in common? Mm-hmm. And you know, we like, it's obvious what you and I have in common, Yeah. but like, what do we have in common with our super, super hardcore Mormon aunt, mm-hmm. you know, or neighbor or the politicians in our state, yeah. you know, and like there are things that we do have in common and that's really powerful. Yeah. Um, and that's like subversive in like a really beautiful and artful way. And I don't know. I just, I'm such a fan of like seeing more <laughs> kinship than not. Yeah. Um, I, I'm way more on, on board of just being like, let's just be nice. And, and obviously there are certain situations in the world where you have to step up and fight yeah. for what you believe in. And, and, but for the most part, I, I, have always wanted to be that person in drag that people can come up and talk to and be approached by. And some of that being nice is like, you know, if you want to take it full circle, like you had this theater teacher in college who couldn't see something bigger in you. Mm -hmm. And if we are going to turn around and not see potential or depth or beauty in people who don't accept us, Mm -hmm. we're not, better than that. And that's not to say that we shouldn't have boundaries and we shouldn't say like, I don't need to be in your presence because like you don't respect me, but you know, being able to look at people who don't see eye to eye and think like, I bet there are really, really cool things about you. And I bet that you're have the potential to be very creative. And I bet you have the potential to shed light on things that I don't understand. Um, I don't know. I like, I like trying to think about people that that. way. Well, and I think that's a great way to think about it. There's so much to one person that you can never understand. But showing that ounce of kindness can, I mean, it could be a life changing moment for them. And I've had people who've literally approached me and said, because of what you're doing, 
I felt like I could do this or because of your kindness and just giving a moment to take that time to talk with me or invite me over it it changed my whole outlook and I I mean I think that we have to just work harder at that and be more not not work harder but be more aware of what stay curious powerful impact your art or who you can your Mm -hmm. kindness can be yeah Amen. So, amen. 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 <laughs> amen. Sister amen. Molly Mormon. Well, um, okay. The very last thing I always ask everyone is what's your dream collaboration or your dream project if collaboration's not your jam? Ooh, collaboration <sighs> with anybody? Anybody. They can be dead, they can be a fictional thing, whatever have, you want. I have to say, if I could at some point collaborate on, be a part of either. I have two. I have to just say, um, Lady Gaga. I we've been watching her videos lately, and her just presence is just fantastic. I remember yeah. she was probably a huge impact on me wanting yeah. to be a drag queen because she's, she's a drag queen. She is. She's a yeah. like a motherfucking drag queen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also just Kesha. Yeah. And I know they're so poppy and so like, I don't know, gay, but um, I just love everything that they're doing right now with their art and their, their growth. Yeah. And I've just loved that. I've loved their art from the, like their sh- songs from the beginning and their newer stuff is just, it still resonates. So yeah. it would just be fun to like be at a level in my life that I could say that I've worked with two huge people. Yeah. But, but to be honest, I love collaborating. Yeah. It's my favorite thing. Like I love working with different artists and like seeing other people's art forms is it's never it's never a waste of time to see how other people do their art. Amen to that so, too. Because it's going to help me in a lot of ways mm-hmm. or it, it'll, you know, at least it be changes fun. changes your mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then finally, finally tell everybody where to find you and that's it. Um, Sister Molly Mormon at, um, on Instagram. My, yeah, it's, it's Sister Molly Mormon. All, do you spell yeah. it M-O-R-E? Okay, so I spell it like the religion. So okay. it's Molly Morm- Mormon, like yeah. M-O-R-M-O-N. Yeah. yeah. Um, my Facebook is different because Facebook's technically I'm not allowed to have a Facebook like as a, Molly Mormon. So okay. I, yeah, I spell it's it like with a an E brand thing. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got and it. so, but I like, I like the, the, the Molly Mormon. Yeah. M-O-R-M-O-N. I know everybody's like, you've got to use Molly Mormon. It's so funny. I was like, that's not what I'm that's doing. That's not what though. it is. Yeah. I mean, sure. That's what I Fine. want. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So sister Molly Mormon on almost all Okay. places yeah awesome. follow me on instagram it's fun thank you thank you i loved thank this, you. this so much so fun. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thanks for listening to artifice our music is by jerem hansen and artwork by sarah keel if you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast please send me a note through my website emvocals.com and don't forget to rate review and subscribe thanks again have a great week